Matthew 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They were saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Probably not a good question to ask King Herod. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Aren't you thankful the government's on his shoulders? Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently. He said, when did that star appear? When did you start seeing the star? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, everybody say their treasures. They presented unto him gifts. The gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But I want to draw our text today from verse 11. They fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts. They presented him gifts. I was asking the Lord a question this weekend. Just seeking after God. And I was just having a serious conversation with the Lord when I began to think of the gifts that were given to him even at his birth. Gold, riches. This was a king's gift. Frankincense, myrrh. These were two of the most expensive oils in all the world. I said, God, what could I give you? What could I possibly give you? This is a time where folks start giving gifts. and I know I like to get some too. I like them gifts. I like getting gifts. It's fun. But I came this morning. I, I want to I ask the Lord, what could I give you? Amen. God, what could I give to you? I want you to just lift your hands and your hearts, if you would, today towards heaven. Let's ask the Lord to strengthen us and touch us. God, what gift could I bring to you? What could I give you in this place today, oh God, that would bless your heart? You have been so good to us. Lord, you have blessed us with health and life and strength. 
we're standing here today whole and healed in the house of the Lord. We have this treasure that dwells in earth and vessels. God, what could I possibly give you today? I thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. I thank you today, God, for the family of God that you have given us and blessed us with. But, Lord, I want to know today what could I give you? What could I bless you with? I pray that your word would be in alignment with your heart and that you would bless this church, bless these people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. Lord, bless you and you may be seated in Jesus' name. What could I give God? What could I give God? Now, there's some interesting things that happen here in the scripture that are so neat. I have taught for many years that the scripture, the scripture is written in two different forms. When principles are being taught and understood, that there are two ways the scripture speaks to us. That is explicit and implicit that the scripture will explicitly say certain things and then it will imply other things it's implicit in its approach and so we have to take the things that we know for sure in concrete and bring them together in other words we always compare scripture with scripture not scripture with idea right so we let scripture interpret scripture we don't have men interpret scripture as a matter of fact Men interpreting scripture is dangerous because the apostle said that this word is not given to any private interpretation. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying to you, when we have to start coming together with councils, and we sit down with councils and say, can we all agree that this is what the scripture is going to say from now on? And we start taking Bibles out of people's houses... Because we don't want them to disagree with what the scripture said. I think we can find very quickly that that's not pure religion. Come on. That's dictatorship. When they take religion and turn it into political power. And they bring it as part of monarchies and governments. And we know that's what happened. That the largest quote unquote church structures in the world. The wealthiest church structures in the world. You ever look at all the big buildings? You go to third, third world countries. Some of the biggest buildings in the downtown areas of those poor, poor places are churches. It's because they tell people that if you'll give enough money for your family that was a sinner, that was a horrible person, did bad things, then you can buy them out of hell. You can put them in a holding place until God can judge on the matter. I want to tell you today, that's not sound doctrine. It's not sound doctrine. And I know this is probably sounds a little tough on a Sunday morning, and I'm trying to preach to you a little bit about Christmas, but I want to tell you what Christmas is all about. I want to tell you why He came. He came because you either make it or you miss it. He came because you're either saved or you're lost. Almost saved is always lost. There's nobody that's going to get in by accident. Come on. There's nobody that's going to slide in. There's nobody that's just going to barely make it into heaven. I believe if you're saved, it's going to be because you tried to be saved. And if you're lost, it's going to be because you tried to be lost. You're going to be intentional about what happens. 
And it's important for you and I to know that God was very, very intentional about how he came and why he came. If God could have purchased our redemption through the blood of bullocks and rams and goats and turtle doves, then our redemption would have been bought by the blood of turtle doves and goats and rams and bullocks. But it was not the blood of just any lamb that redeemed me. It was the blood of a spotless lamb that was given to us that blessed day when the Lord robed himself in flesh. If there's ever been a conversation that I'm grateful for, I'm grateful that the Lord sent an angel to a little virgin girl. And the Lord told that girl, God's about to do something in you, and that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. Are you glad he came today? Praise God. And so this time of year, it gets interesting because I believe Scripture interprets Scripture, but boy, it's the truth. There's a lot of traditions that happen at this time of year that are, it gets interesting. And what's so funny about a lot of these traditions is they're not born out of Scripture. They're born out of Christmas carols. Twelve days of Christmas. I'm really glad there's not more than one day. Woo! That'd get expensive with all these girls. Like, nope. We're opening gifts one day. That's it. You're done. Well, that's not true because my wife's a softy and lets them open up stuff on Christmas Eve. We always know what it is, though, don't we, girls? We're getting pajamas on Christmas Eve. We're not getting anything cool. No. Before it's over, Daddy's going to have on snowflake britches with moose on them. Yeah. It's coming. And then we got to take a picture and act happy. You guys aren't smiling. Have you seen these drawers I'm wearing? No, we have a good time. We have a good time. Have you ever wondered where songs... I mean, I do. It's just the way my mind is. Like, 12 days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Well, I'll be bah humbugging it. What is wrong with you people? On the first day of Christmas, my true love... That's what the problem is. You need some true love. My true love gave to me. I'm just telling you right now, if my true love gives me a partridge in a pear tree, we're going to have words. Merry Christmas to you, sucker. Now feed it. For guys like me that like to wear camo, a partridge in a pear tree is really only worth about one good thing, and that's a shotgun shell. Because we're going to put that on the Traeger smoker after a while, and we're going to have a partridge in a pellet smoker. Come on now. It sounds good. Two turtle doves. Come on, we got, we got hens, and I'm not real sure what to do about them lords of leaping. Because I can... I can get a pretty good idea what that looks like. But I'll, <laughs> stay, stay on the mark, Pastor. Stay with it. But it, it's funny. 
Where, where do we get stuff like that? And I want to tell you, I want to tell you where it comes from. Twelve days of Christmas comes from, in early church history, some of these same guys that sat down at councils and changed baptismal formulas and all this stuff. They got together and they decided that the time between the birth of Jesus and when the wise men showed up was 12 days. And so, from his birth until they came to give him gifts, there were 12 days of Christmas. And so they began to write songs. Now, I don't know how, how many of you have ever heard the one, We Three Kings of Orient are. When I was a kid, we used to sing, Tried to Smoke a Rubber Cigar. We Three Kings of Orient are. Well, they're talking about these magi. And there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on, honestly, behind the scenes. And I'm not trying to make a mess of your Christmas Usually from about the 1st of November until New Year's Day, I keep it on in my truck. I like Christmas music. It makes me happy. Jingle bells, jingle bells. I ain't going to hell. Come on. Yeah, somebody sang it. I don't know if you've seen it. It's out there. There's a preacher singing it in the pulpit. Jingle bells, I ain't going to hell. Praise God. I'm glad you're not. I like it. But I'm going to tell you what. I like digging in the Word. I want to find out what the Word says about it. I, I, I want to know, how does all this work? How does all this come together? We see men that have come from afar, and they have brought the Lord gifts. How in the world did they get there? How in the world did they know to look for a star in the sky? Now, folks, this is in your Bible. It is absolutely in your Bible. But you've got to know that if you don't read it, you won't see it. You believe that? Amen. Now, the Bible tells us that uh, in the Scripture, in the Scripture, that God kept His hand on certain men for certain seasons of time that He would elevate. How many of you ever read a story about a man named Joseph? Yeah, Joseph was a powerful man. How many of you ever read a story about... Some Hebrew boys in Babylon. You ever read that story? There were three of them that refused to bow when the music started playing, right? And they said, well, our God is able, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow our knee. You ever heard that story? You ever heard the story about the Lone Ranger that was kind of by himself with those other guys? His name was Daniel. They called him Belteshazzar. He was, uh, he was a powerful praying man. Daniel was a praying man. He was a man that heard from God, and he was a man that God heard from. Well, I need to say that again. I think somebody needed a little bit of rest on Saturday night. I said he was a man that heard from God, and he was a man that God heard from. You understand it's not enough to just hear from God. God needs to hear from us. I said God needs to hear from us. So the scripture tells us that this man, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 48, that God elevated Daniel and gave him favor in Babylon. 
And the scripture said that the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Where do you think the wise men came from the east to see the star? We believe that they came from Babylon. And we believe that God put a man that was a Hebrew in the midst of the Babylonian people and gave him favor. And the king said, I don't know what it is that you got on you. But I want you to speak to the wise men of our people. And I want you to pour into them. And when the king walked out and Daniel stood as the the schoolmaster in the classroom, he sat down with the wise men and he began to tell them, boys, this is not as good as it gets. But I want you to know there is a coming hope and there is a coming redemption. We may be in Babylon right now, but this is not where we're going to stay forever. And you can believe it how you want to believe it. But I believe that Daniel, through prophetic insight, began to tell them about visions that he had seen. And Daniel said, I looked into the heavens and I saw his hair like wool, his eyes like fire, and his feet like brass. I want to tell you about the Ancient of Days. And I want to tell you that he created the stars. And he created the sun. And he created the moon. He said there's going to be people that look at you and think you're wise because of your gifting in astrology that you can look to the sun and the moon and have gifts. But let me tell you how the sun and the moon got there. They didn't just get there on their own. It was no Babylonian God that hung that moon. It was no Babylonian God that put that sun up there. It was the creator of all things. He is God all by himself. He created everything visible and everything invisible. I believe that Daniel started teaching the wise men by prophetic giftings in his life that there is going to come a day that Messiah will come and I want you wise men to be watching. I want you to be looking. I want you to be watching. We're not just looking at the sun and looking at the stars and looking at the moon so that men will think we're wise. We're looking at it because there's going to come a day as you look in the direction of Jerusalem. Do you understand that every day of Daniel's life, that he was in Babylon, he would open up his windows, I believe, and pray toward that city, Jerusalem, because he wanted to be at home. And when he sat with all the wise men in Babylon, they would look at him and say, Daniel, why is it that you're always talking about Jerusalem? Why is it that you're always talking about that holy city? Why is it that you're always talking about home? And I believe Daniel would reply to them and say to those wise men, because there's something that's going to happen in Jerusalem that's going to forever change the course of history. I'm not just talking about a world leader. I'm talking about a governor. I'm talking about a governor of whose kingdom there shall be no end. The other night the other night I had someone try to convince me that the Lord is getting ready to come according to Isaiah 9 and and establish a government 
which there shall be no end. To which my response was, that government has already been established. I want to tell you that when he came, he established the government of God in the earth. He established what he came to do. Now, it wasn't what men wanted him to do. But he established the government of the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Everywhere he went, he prayed. And he would teach. And he would say to them, not that the kingdom of heaven is coming. But that the kingdom of heaven is. Come on, somebody help me. At hand. It's here. We live looking for that which is to come. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel lived expecting that day to come. Abraham lived expecting that day to come. But Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it. And before your father Abraham was, I am. He said those men lived expecting the promise that was to come. But I want to tell somebody this morning, Shiloh has come. Messiah has come. The king of Israel has come. He has established his kingdom in the earth. We're not looking for a God that is to come. We're looking for a God that came. So these wise men, they're, they're, they're looking, they're looking. I, I promise you, I promise you that it wasn't just a random day that they happened to glance up and Tom looked over at Bill and said, hey, you see that out there? We probably, I don't know how you feel about it. We ought to just start walking that way. Anybody here just ever get mesmerized by the stars? I have, but it's never really made me want to walk to Norway. You understand what I'm saying? Something told these men there's something coming. There's a sign to look for it. Be ready for it. They started when they saw the star. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now this is not really what I came to preach, but I got to tell you this. There's something in me that gets so excited. Because there is a powerful principle in this. They didn't just rejoice when they saw Jesus. They rejoiced when they saw the star. Because they knew they were getting ready to see him. What's that have to do with us, pastor? Because we got a lot of folks that rejoice when it's over. This is the principle that's in your Bible several times. David did not dance because the ark was back in Jerusalem. He danced when the ark was on its way to Jerusalem. These wise men did not wait to rejoice until they saw Jesus. They saw the star and said, that's where we're going. And we get to see him. I wonder what would happen on Sunday morning when we'd look in the direction of the house of God and say, I'm not even there yet. I'm not even to the house of the Lord yet. But I think I'll rejoice. I think I'll rejoice. Now, we're going to walk through some things. Because these men came and they came to Herod. And uh, I wish I had time to go. Everything in here is so, it's just so powerful. Why did, 
Why was Herod so upset about Jesus? Because it wasn't just because he said he was king of the Jews. There's some stuff in here. I, I'm not going into the depths, but it's insane. You want to know? When you go back through history, what Herod's real problem was? That the, peop- the people surrounding Herod had a belief system that Herod, his mother had conceived by a spiritual being. And that he was a king that was appointed for a certain time because he was not totally of the earth. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Because wherever there's authentic, there's always going to be a counterfeit. And historians that lean into Herod's story, they say it was kind of a strange deal that when Herod rose to the kingship and he rose to the throne, there were people saying about him that there was something special, that, that he was conceived by a spiritual being. You know, the, the, the enemy always tries to send distractions before there's a real breakthrough. And we all know, we all know that Herod was born by a man and a woman. And the reason why, <laughs> a lot of reason that uh, people in history think they tried to hide that is because Herod's mama probably wasn't a good woman. And if they told who the father was, and probably wasn't going to look real good on Herod's mother. And so they said, well, then we're going to come up with a story. And we're going to just say that. That which was conceived in her was of a deity. And so when Messiah comes. And they start talking about this little virgin girl. And they're like an angel came to her. And said that which is conceived in you is of deity. It's of the Holy Ghost. People started running everywhere saying Herod have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? You know hell starts getting worried. When God really does what they claim they can do. The devil's made you promises that he can't keep. Man, I feel like preaching on this Sunday morning. The devil's made you promises that he can't keep. But I want to tell you about it. God, that has never... He has never lied about one promise. He's always kept his word. News travels, folks. News travels. News travels. And you, you can believe it how you want to. That's one luxury I have of having a microphone is that I, I get to believe it how I want to. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that news travels. And I believe that Herod's family, because they wanted to seem powerful, I believe that they had heard traces of the stories of a coming Messiah. I believe they had heard prophecies of that which was to come. You do understand. You do understand. That the danger of false doctrines is that they're so believable. If it wasn't believable, it wouldn't have any, wouldn't have any traction. And that's why, that's why the enemy is always trying to send little distracting, disruptive messages about things. And so he, he tries to thwart the plan of God. I believe Herod's mother and their family had heard that when Messiah comes... He's going to be born uh, from the seed of a woman. I believe they heard that. And I believe, you can believe it how you want to, I believe that they were trying to force the people in some way, shape, or form to believe that Herod was messianic. 
I believe they wanted the world to think that Herod was the Messiah that would come and save the world. I believe that. It happened. It, it, history's replete with it. Different people through the ages. We've heard it talked about in here uh, so many times in our, in our classes and preaching. How that people had Messiah complex and they wanted to be the Messiah. But church, I want to tell you something that's biblically sound. There's only ever been one Messiah. There's not another Messiah that's coming. There's not going to be another Jesus. But there will be false Christ. And there will be lying signs and wonders. So Daniel said, when you get to looking, you, you be sure that you've, you've seen the right star. You be sure you're going to the right place. Because we don't, we don't want to anoint something that God hasn't anointed. Do you believe that? Say amen. What do you mean, Pastor? What are they? They're, they're not anointing anything. Well, they did. They brought gold and they brought frankincense and they brought myrrh. They brought stuff to anoint this child in the earth. He was already anointed in the heavens, but they brought it. So Daniel said, go, go, go look. Be patient. Watch. So generations later, they're still saying, hey, there's a star. It's coming. It's going to happen. And so here they come. And they get to Jerusalem. And when they get to Jerusalem, these are obviously men of high class, high regard. They've got some kind of clout because they walk straight to Herod. They get, they get lunch with Herod. They walk into the king. Are you following what I'm saying? These are not slouches. These are men that they, they know somebody and they know something. Because when they walk, you don't just walk into Jerusalem and say, yeah, I'm here to see Herod. When they got to Jerusalem, the doors were open and they walked in and they talked to Herod. And Herod knew who they were. Because he asked him, he said, when did you start seeing this star? Now here's what we believe. That they had been seeing that star for quite some time. In other words, we don't believe that the night Jesus was born, the light bulb came on. Right? You follow what I'm saying? We don't believe that Mary gave birth and there was a light bulb and they said, boys, we better jump in the truck and go. We believe that it, it was there for a while and they followed it. We believe that they came. We know according to the scripture that I read to you this morning that this was to fulfill. He had to be born in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecies of old. Why? Because God never lies. Well, that ought to encourage somebody right there. If God says it, come on somebody, I'm going to preach till it makes every devil mad in here today. The devil's been lying to you and telling you it ain't going to happen. I'm telling you, if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. The Lord is going to come out of thee. There's going to come out of thee a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So Herod calls him over and he says, now boys, I want to know one thing. When did you start seeing this? Now there is some, there's some strange interpretation that you can do here. It's the part that's implicit, so you got to kind of start wondering. Is it possible that they told Herod that they saw the star starting two years ago? And so that's why Herod said, then every child two years and under will be killed. Or is it even possible, a lot of Jewish uh, writings and Jewish historians, matter of fact, I don't know how many of you have 
seen the uh, little show that came out. It's a couple seasons in. I think they call it The Chosen. And uh, it's very interesting because I, I thought it was extremely amazing that when they saw it, when they showed the wise men come to Jesus, they presented it as I believed it. They didn't send the wise men to the manger. They sent him to their house in Nazareth. And Jesus was already a young child. He was a toddler. And so there's a lot of belief system that says when they saw the star that Jesus was born. Now, how do we know that they did not come to the manger to see him? Is everybody bored out of your mind right now? Are you doing okay? Here's what we know for sure. We don't know how long they stayed in Bethlehem. But we do believe that if the rest of scripture is correct, that by the eighth day, he had to be back in Jerusalem. Because if he's not back in Jerusalem on the eighth day, then Simeon doesn't show up to the house of the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? So we, we follow the scripture and the Lord never breaks his word. Now, there's also some interesting things about this. In Luke 2 and 22, it said that when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Why, Why does this matter? Well, it matters because he was supposed to be before the Lord at eight days. And Mary had, according to the Levitical law, 40 days until she was pure because she had had a baby. Now, there's not going to be a quiz after this. But I'm saying this to you that we know pretty much 100% for sure. That whether he was two years old or not, he was at least 40 days old when they came. Because Mary had been purified and then they brought, the Bible said they brought their, their doves and offered sacrifice. This was after her purification. So we've got somewhere around 40 days and then more than likely they leave Jerusalem and go back to Nazareth to their home. Because the scripture said Herod sent them to Bethlehem. But the scripture does not say that they found him in Bethlehem. It said they found him in the house. Now we all know that he wasn't, he wasn't in a house. He was born in a manger. Now I know somebody may have let him in. But follow the logic of what I'm saying to you today. Help, just let me help, help you stretch your mind a little bit. I don't believe at the nativity that there were three wise men that had been seeing a star for two years. I believe that God followed everything in order just like he's going to do for his return. And I believe that the Lord followed his own law for it to happen. I believe that she conceived. I believe that she bore the child. I believe they did what they were supposed to and went to Bethlehem to pay their taxes at the census. I believe all of that transpired. And I believe on the eighth day they were in the temple. And I believe she waited for the 40th day of her purification. And I believe after that they more than likely went back to their home in Nazareth. And that's where the wise men came. The Bible even said specifically that after they had heard from Herod that they went out a different way. In other words, they did not go back to Jerusalem to tell Herod what they had found. They said if he wants to believe he's still in Bethlehem, then just let him believe that he's in Bethlehem. But I believe that the Lord did everything in order and I want you to know what I feel this morning in this house I believe that it, I'm, I'm telling you all this to tell you that I believe that if you really want to offer him your gifts you don't care how far you have to go 
You don't care how inconvenient it is. They saw a star that led them to Jerusalem and bad counsel sent them to Bethlehem. But they kept following the star and they ended up in Nazareth at his house. And the Bible said when they opened up their treasures that they presented him with gifts. What are you saying? I'm saying if it really matters to you, you'll do whatever you've got to do to bring him gifts. I'm not sure if you saw where I was going with this, but I'm going there right now. They could have got to Jerusalem and said, well, we tried. Went into Herod, talked to him and said, ah, it's probably too dangerous. They could have got to Bethlehem where he was born, but it's more than likely at least 40 days later. And they're saying, well, we came all the way over here. Nobody knows where he's at. So whenever confusion and depression and the will to stop starts showing up in your life, don't just look at Bethlehem and say, I did my best. I think I'll go home. I believe one of them old boys elbowed the other one and said, you know what? We didn't get here by talking. We got here by following a star. So before you get discouraged about what you've tried and it hasn't worked, look up again. I believe there's an answer. Look up again. I believe he's still talking. I believe. Pastor, I've tried. I've tried. Can I just be real and y'all still love me for just, can I just be real right now? Don't tell me you love God and then put him in second, third, fourth, fifth, or fifteenth place. I'm a Christian. You might believe in him, but you don't really believe him. If you're still trying to figure out how much praise he's worthy of, if you're still trying to figure out whether or not it's worth to get him come to the house of the Lord, you're not in love with him. They started following after that star, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. I don't know how you feel about it, but I believe that the church of the living God, one of our primary and principal purposes is for the church to be a dress rehearsal for what it's going to be like when we finally behold him. I came on this Sunday morning. I wasn't expecting to see Jesus, but I saw a star in this house this morning. It was a star of hope that said, if you'll just live for God and you'll just hang in there, it's not going to be long till you're going to see him. Anybody in here still believe in heaven? We love, we love to talk about heaven, but I want I, what I'm talking to you about this morning, I'm almost done. But what I'm talking about this morning is not us going to heaven. I'm talking about heaven came to us. I said heaven came to us. And so whenever, whenever you start to feel defeated, I've done everything I could do. I don't even know, I don't even know why I try anymore. Come on, I'm not asking anybody to raise your hands, but I know that conversation's happening here in some of your hearts. Every turn I've been let down, 
Everybody I've trusted. Come on, no, I hadn't been in your dreams. I'm a human just like you are. Just throw up my hands and quit. But before you turn around and go back home, you need to remember something, wise men. You've come way too far. Can you imagine to carry gifts all the way, perhaps, from Babylon all the way? Get to Jerusalem. Get a little energy charge. Get on over there to Bethlehem. Say, you know what? God knows my heart. He knows I tried, so I'll just take my gift and go home. I'm preaching to somebody up in here this morning. I know I am. I think I'll just take my gift and go home because I'm tired. And God knows I'm tired. Well, as long as you've got breath in your lungs, God's not finished with you yet. I'm sorry to tell you, but there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. You don't retire when you get tired. You pull yourself up by the bootstraps and keep on working for God. Pastor, I'm too old. I don't have anything to offer God. Yes, you do. Bring your gift to God. Bring your... Yeah, but I'm, I'm at a place in my life where I don't have much left to offer him. I don't have much to offer the Lord. I've lived a long life, but I didn't live all my life for the Lord. Listen, if you get in the Old Testament, you read where the shepherd comes in and redeems. The only thing that was left of that lamb was the ear and a leg. But the shepherd said, I'll take what's left of it. And I'll do something with it. I don't care what your life has been filled with. And I don't care how many times you failed God. And I don't care how many times you've fallen down. I'm here to preach to you this morning. Get back up. Bring your gift to God. He wants what you've got left. God. It may not be what you wanted to offer him. But bring God what you've got left. And give it to God. I told the Lord this weekend, I'm closing. I told the Lord this weekend. I said, Lord, they brought you gold, frankincense, myrrh. I brought you confusion, doubts, fears. And the Lord just so gently reminded me. When you bring me your fear, listen, you, this is what the devil's made you believe. That when you bring your fear to God, that that's what you're bringing him as a gift, but you're not. Stay with me. When you bring your doubt to God, that's not the gift that you're bringing him. You can't come to God and bring him your fear without bringing yourself. And so he takes the fear, and he takes the doubt, and he takes the confusion... And he puts it to the side and he says, that's not your gift. I'll take it. But that's not your gift. I want you to bring your fear and your anxiety and your doubts and your confusion because you can't bring those without bringing you. But pastor, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to offer him. My life, 
My life is, and you can just start going down through the list. I'm not here to cast shadows on anybody. It's just been, it's been drugs and alcohol and confusion and men and women and lust. And oh, the list goes on and on. That's okay. Bring it. Bring it. Because when you bring that to the Lord and you lay that down at his feet. God, what could I bring God? There's nothing better that you could bring God than just bringing yourself. You got to bring your heart to God with all of your scars, with all of your past mistakes, with all the stumbling that you've done. Walk to the cross today and give it to God. Bring it to him. Now listen, I'm going to paint a side of this story you've probably never heard. But it's just the way my brain works. You don't have to believe it or whatever, but I'm just going to tell you. If you believe that these three wise men, after all the long, hard travel that they had done, by the time they got to Jesus, if you think these ancient men smelled good, looked good, had clean feet, probably not correct because it was a journey but I believe when they walked in the door there may have been a little dust on their feet their robes may have had a little dust probably didn't smell the best but when they walked in the door they said they looked at each other and said man you thought the star was good Woo! this is what we came for this morning I may be weary from the journey. I may not have it all together. But I'm going to bring my gift and I'm going to worship him. They took their treasures and they opened them up. And they gave it to him because when you get in his presence, your treasures don't matter anymore. You'll give God everything you've got. Listen, let God find the treasure in your spirit this morning. Let God find the treasure that's in you. You're valuable to God. I don't care what the devil's told you. You're valuable to God. I'm asking you in this house today. If you want to do something for God, but the enemy's told you you can't. I just want you to bring your gift and lay it at the feet of Jesus this morning. If you're tired of running from God, if you're tired of embracing the lies of the enemy, I want you to bring your gift today and lay it before God. You may not think it's much, but it's all he wants. The Bible said that if a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. I believe there's restoration in this house this morning. I believe there's restoration for broken people in this room today. I don't care how far you've wandered from the Lord. I believe there's restoration for you in this house this morning. Come on, these altars are open right now. Go ahead and bring that fear. Go ahead and bring that addiction. Because when you bring it, you come with it. Praise God.